What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the internet's only Sergio <laughs> is still the MVP podcast. Yeah. I am Joel Gasson with John Fraser, as usual. Um, of course, uh, we are going to finally talk about the Grey Cup, as John has the emotionally recovered from what was a devastating loss for his Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And and, and I've also recovered from the hangover. Let's mm-hmm. the, let's let's not discredit that either. <laughs> that was a not it, that was a not insignificant hangover I went through. So we're going to talk about uh, that. It was really a, a tale of two games, three quarters of crap, and then sudden chaos. And uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about the Vanier Cup and uh, what may or may not be coming out of that Vanier Cup to the Riders. And then uh, who may be joining the Riders coaching staff? We don't have any information. We're just going to kind of go over uh, some of the options and sort of maybe why they're... It seems they have maybe made their decision based yes. on, if you read the tea leaves from a number of... Uh, a number of reporters out there who actually, you know, find stuff out and report things. <laughs> um, Rather than just the two of us. Yes, that um, it seems like they're going to go in-house, and it's interesting. Don't necessarily think it's bad, but it's it's interesting, but it is obviously a conversation to have. Yes. Before we get into all that, there was uh, an interesting moment yesterday. Well, there was thousands of interesting moments yesterday on Saturday, as, of course, we record this on a Sunday night, uh, in the world of college football. Yeah, yesterday was like your dream day. It was you oh and God, friend of the program, Daniel Plaster, just sitting around drinking beer, watching college football. It was it was a wonderful day of just pure chaos. And I will have to note the Canada's team, the Oregon State Beavers, came back from a 31-10 deficit in about a quarter and a half against the Oregon Ducks. And they basically did not complete a pass in the process to do it. It was wonderful. <laughs> It was just a work of art, and I celebrated by buying a Oregon Duck, Oregon Beavers sweater. So I was going to say because the Ducks are not Canada's team; it is the mm-hmm. Beavers who are Canada's team. Absolutely. Um, but what really caught my eye was, I guess, uh, there was something called the Bayou Classic on NBC, and I did not know that NBC had anything else beyond the Notre Dame games. <laughs> right. So I learned something. Neither did I. Um. So there was a shot of there's this fan in the stands. And the initial shot has this video, and it kind of looks like he's rolling a joint in the crowd. <laughs> At least that's what the people in the video thought was happening, which in well, it itself would have been funny. But it's, I think it's it's true, especially yeah. like down there where it's still illegal. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know specifically about the laws in Louisiana compared to other places. But anyway, all right, you continue. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Um. Now that I know what it is, that you actually look closely, you can kind of tell what it is. But at the time, and he, he even clearly ends up on the screen because you can see this sort of grin on his face as his family or his friends point out what he's doing. Is he's sitting there with like this object in his hand and a lighter. So, you know, put two and, and looked, two together. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> you're like, it looks oh, like is, is the it... way he's holding this yeah. object, it looks like he's rolling a blood, which, by the way, would be illegal in Louisiana. Okay. You can drink in the streets, but you can't smoke a joint. Cool. Um, anyway, I guess uh, they may, the, the, you know, the people who know this guy ended up making a Facebook post. So the real answer to the million-dollar question, was it really a blunt? No, I don't. I disagree with this part. Is that unfortunately, I would say fortunately, it was a rib. He had one, for some reason, one single rib, like piece of a rib, that he was warming up with a lighter to eat in the crowd. Which is a veteran... It's a veteran maneuver, and it looked like like if you go down to the states for barbecue, like that looked like a perfectly seasoned rib. Now, now the question I have: mm-hmm. Did he sneak in the rib? That I don't know. If he's warming it up, I assume he must have, because if you were right. able to buy ribs at the stadium, they'd already. I would hope they would be warm. <laughs> you, you you would you would hope so, especially like he looks so discreet doing it. Yeah, warming it with a lighter. Now, have you ever snuck anything into uh, a football game, Joel Gasson? Me, no. Um, we do, uh, not a football game, but, um, yeah, we did, my friend once when we went to a hockey game in Ottawa, did sneak some vodka in a water bottle back when you could bring like open liquid. Right. So, yeah. See, I once, okay. This was, I think this would have been Thanksgiving many years. Like this is like. Lacey and I don't even know if we were engaged yet. We were just dating. And the Toronto Argonauts were in town for Thanksgiving to play the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And we decided, yeah, we're going to go to the game. So there was me, my father-in-law, who's now 73, <laughs> my now wife, and my brother-in-law. And we're getting all ready. And my father-in-law, you've met him. He's mm-hmm. not the kind of guy that, that's a rule breaker. Like, no. he's pretty straight and narrow. He's got a great sense of humor, but he also loves having a beverage or seven. So we're getting ready in the hotel room. And here's my six foot three father-in-law who walks with a limp at the time because he hasn't had, even had his knee replacement. I swear to God, that man snuck in a hundred ounces of liquor on him. <laughs> but but on the same note, he's, he's also like not that confident about it. So it was kind of hilarious. No. So we show up. And this is back when they did the old pat down at the gates of old Mosaic, right? So they're yep. giving you the old, like, ho-hum, feeling you up. And so they get me and my brother-in-law, who each ha- still have a Mickey on ourselves, that we managed to, to hide underneath enough clothing that nobody notices. So what my father-in-law does, as he knows my brother-in-law and I have booze on us, he does a beeline past. He does, like, the old guy hobble, just kind of walks on by, gives security a wave, and that's how he gets in. And and I, uh, all we did was go and buy, like, extra-large Cokes, mm-hmm. and we all left Zesty that night. Because, literally, he had, he somehow had a Mickey on each side of each leg. Yeah. He then had a full two-six of whiskey in his, like, pocket of his hoodie. And then Mickey's in his shoulders. Like, I, I, like the man, and, and then he sent me and my brother-in-law up as decoys. <laughs> like, I swear, like, he was ready. Like, if we got kicked out, it didn't matter. He was going to enjoy that game. And if one of us had to die for it, then so be it. But it was a perfect block play. But that is the, by far the most booze I've ever seen <laughs> snuck into any event ever in my life. Fair it's enough. actually impressive. Yeah, no, that is that is impressive. But it's funny you, you talk about like straight and narrow. It's not into an event, but I remember one time when I was driving with my friend and his dad 
down to Pittsburgh for a Steelers game. So, of course, we're going to tailgate before the game, so we've got a trunk full of food. Right. You're supposed to declare, like, meat and stuff at the border, right? Right. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> well, my friend hadn't exactly told his dad everything that was in the trunk until, like, just before. Then he's like, what? He's like, I can't bring that over because there's, like, some sausages and stuff like that. Like, nothing really actually that bad. Right. So, but then we're just like, just don't tell them. Like, <laughs> so then he had a little bit of a, you know, sort of a moral thing about it. But then he got up to the border. He's like, anything to declare? He's like, no. And then the guy was like, okay. And we just went on through. <laughs> as, it, as, it, as he is probably, like, sweating profusely, like, yeah. that is the, the, the shadiest moment of like his life. He, like, he's smuggling, like, heroin over the border or something. Right. Really, it's just, like, some cheese and some sausage. Right. You, you and your buddy are just like, ah, no big deal. See, oh, my God. Okay. Same situation happens. Lacey and I are first trip back from Mexico. Mm-hmm. We had brought back not only wooden masks, but like coffee and all those touristy kind of things. Yeah. So our flight got delayed. So we're in Edmonton. It's like one in the morning and she's ahead of me in the customs line. And, and I'm sitting there. I'm ready. Okay. We got two wood masks. We got two full things of coffee. Like I'm already doing the math in my head. So she walks up first yeah. and they say to her, do you have anything to declare? And she just goes, nope. Well, now I'm sweating. I'm like, <laughs> I was not prepared to lie. I was not ready for this. Like, this is, I was not ready. Oh, God. So then they ask anything to declare? <laughs> no. So I asked Lacey afterwards. I'm like, what the hell? Like, why would you say nothing? She went, oh, yeah, we did have this. She, we were both so <laughs> And like week-long hangover that she didn't even realize we literally had coffee and wood in there, and it put me right on the spot. So I can relate with your buddy's dad in that <laughs> moment of absolute panic as that person with the rubber glove gives you the old snappity snap, and you're wondering if you're getting a finger in the bum that night. Yeah, well, I mean, luckily, when you get the 60-something white guy driving up to a border, they're far more, you're far less likely to get searched than in a number of other people, right? So, That's, That is absolutely correct. Especially at the American border. So, <laughs> That's... That's for see we were coming back into Canada yeah. so I think I think they could smell the hangover on probably yeah and I think when you're your own citizen going back into your own country I don't think they're quite as rigorous over some things depending where you were of course but that's fair that's that's fair it was not cocaine but then I got to thinking I'm like you know what I could I could have done it and I no who are we kidding I would have, I would collapsed I would have been a sweaty disaster I can't lie terrible at it Uh there's a car. There's a career and car sales joke in here someplace. Yeah, yeah, you might be in the wrong field. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I get you're not on the greasy used lot, at least, right? Those like quarter ones, you know, Jim's Auto, where they sell twelve year old cars. Yeah, <laughs> financed for forever, forever at twenty two point nine nine APR. <laughs> Trust me, I need the new gold chain and fake Rolex. Yeah, no ones. Yeah. So yeah, the Grey Cup happened. Um, yeah, it did. No that need to buy used cars for that team after that one, as the Argos uh, cast a pretty good check for winning that. Um, as, of course, in the CFL, players do get paid throughout the playoffs. So that is that is one thing that I do enjoy about the CFL. Oh, love it. Is that the, pay- the players, the deeper you go in the playoffs, whether you actually, like, you know, there's a, there are a lot of people who play sports professionally just because it's a job and they can do it well. They don't maybe necessarily have the passion. I think that's not quite the case in the CFL compared to, say, the NFL or like other, you know, the top paying leagues. Right. Um, but I'm sure there are still some. So, you know, maybe the postseason when their salary is up, maybe isn't always the biggest deal to them. The fact that they actually get checks in the CFL, I think maybe helps 
ease that a little bit. And a lot of them actually get paid better than playoffs than they do in the regular season. Oh, so a- a- absolutely, <laughs> talk to any CFL player like off the record, and they'll tell you that 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 is the biggest motivation. And and to me, I think that's why the games are always consistently pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like. It's not like the brainwash guys in the NHL that are like, sacrifice your body for nothing. Yeah. And the games end up being awesome because of it. But it's like, here in the CFL, we're talking about guys like doubling their salary for winning three games. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's part of what makes it awesome. And I think, like, I think guys. I think after the game, like Ryan Dinwiddie like, openly mentioned guys getting paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah like it's it's, it's a secret that yeah. it's one of those things that nobody really talks about but <clears throat> yeah anybody that's been around it kind of knows and i i do think it's a big factor of what mm-hmm. makes the games great because not only are, is there pride on the line of the passion that yeah, these yeah. guys have, have learned for the gray cup there's but, actually a financial incentive to win a playoff game because you get paid more oh yeah like in serious amounts more uh, it, like guys like you said guys double their salary mm-hmm and uh, some guys maybe naturally doubling their salary after uh, some performances in that Grey Cup game. We're, of course, going to talk... Mark Leggio is not one of them. <laughs> no. Uh, we're Mark going Leggio this... is not... Okay, hang on. Max, can you get me a beer that tastes like beer? Because Daddy needs to get angry. It's in the fridge. <laughs> oh, you're going the wrong way, Max. <laughs> That's what I sounded like. That Max, Max did a pretty good impression of what I sounded like every time Mark Leggio touched the ball. Yes, so we will get into that and uh, much more. But as usual, uh, for the Pile of Bones Brewing Company this week, I think you gave it away a little bit, John, but uh, what is in the glass this week that Max well, has now given to you? <laughs> uh, no, uh, Max is still making his way to the fridge to bring me a beer that uh, tastes like beer. Uh, I, I, I mixed myself a vodka before coming down here and was watching the NFL Sunday Nighter because it's relevant to my fantasy team uh, and forgot to grab a beer out of my beer fridge because I'm thrown off now because my office is now on the opposite side. Oh, right. As my beer fridge, so it's like the old days of like me being able to run and come back. But oh, as Max trips and brings it to me, thanks, Max. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, yes, a rebellion beer that tastes like beer from the classic Costco pack, which you cannot go wrong with, especially this time of the year. As I like the ambers quite a bit as well. There it is, it's going to be delicious when it touches my lips. It's a little shaken up, so you better start talking. Uh, for me, um, I have from, of course, our friends at the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, the Scarth Street Blonde. Um, like the Rebellion Amber, a recent uh, medal winner at the, I believe it was the Canada Beer Cup or whatever they called it. It won a bronze for its category, so hey, always award-winning beer around here in this province. No, absolutely. One of the best beer provinces in the entire nation. Yeah, I saw Mark from Rebellion was actually in Ottawa recently talking to a bunch of MPs about some stuff, and then there was some kind of event that a bunch of them were at, and apparently his beer went over quite well and was quite popular. So, Oh, oh I, I, I can imagine. Mark mm. makes fantastic beer and rocks a mullet and looks like the peak like macho man Randy Savage at any given moment. <laughs> yeah. A guy who could probably rock a mullet and be really great is of course our boy Sergio Castillo of course and we bring him up because um it was a discussion throughout Grey Cup week and especially after the Grey Cup that he last season in the 2021 Grey Cup in Hamilton he was wronged when he was not named the Grey Cup MVP there were even a number of other like I I thought like we were kind of on an island about this because it's really weird to think of a kicker as like a game MVP and like we legitimately said this was beyond our bit like we probably would yes. have said it regardless. Absolutely. We <laughs> like would. it would have been a bit, but this that was not the bit. 
That wasn't yeah, just like, like this was not our usual Sergio fun stuff. Like this was, he was legitimately the MVP of that game, and almost every reporter I talked to about it agrees. So I'm wondering why the hell he didn't actually get the votes. There must have been the seven people who did not vote for him. Must have been the seven people I have not talked to. <laughs> well, well, and I wonder too, and. I think that there's, I know there's a lot of talk about terrible conspiracies on Twitter these days <laughs> that aren't real and are very made up, but I almost wonder if there was a degree, especially from the host broadcaster, of not wanting to vote for a kicker to be the MVP just for the optics of it. You know, oh, the, the like, when does a kicker ever want an MVP for anything? I just, to me, it just, it, it, it feels like it had the chance to become a gag if you didn't actually watch the game. So I almost wonder if the guys at the three letter didn't, didn't maybe suggest to their guys to not vote that way. Cause I think everybody you've spoken with is, is well, so the way, the way we're, there's, there's seven votes. I, I believe it's on the press box. I don't know if TSN actually has a vote in it. Right. Like, I don't remember. I don't know the seven who all voted this year. Um, I know a few of them. I know it was a tie at the end. So uh, Jeff Hamilton, the president of the FRC had to break that tie. Um, but ultimately, yeah, there's seven guys that vote. And the weird thing on top of it is TSN apparently needs it for some reason with five minutes left to go in the game, which is absolutely absurdly yes. early, especially yeah. in the CFL. So that's something that needs to change. But we bring that up, not necessarily because I'm, you know, I'm not saying that Henoch Mwamba was not deserving in any way or that he wasn't deserving, especially of MOC, MVP, any of that stuff. Um, but because Sergio was the rightful MVP last year, and I think that's only been hardened by the fact that a, maybe not the only reason, but a significant reason why the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are not three-time Grey Cup champions right now the biggest is reason. because Sergio Castillo was not on that team or someone yes. of similar ilk. 100%. 100%. And this doesn't come down to, and when I talk about this, this doesn't come down to the missed extra point. This comes down to the fact that you had a guy in Mark Leggio that it seemed like every Toronto kickoff return was starting at their own 30. It seemed like every punt was about 30 yards downfield, way too low for the cover teams to get on top of any. And the one big return that was nearly a touchdown and would have been a touchdown if not for a late saving tackle, he punted right in the middle of the field. Yes, yes, like no directional punt. And this this brings me back to... I had a conversation with a CFL special teamer earlier this season. And that conversation turned into, because of course, I mean, everybody knows I'm a Sergio guy. And, and I mean, this guy was, you very... just have to, we all know the Jersey you own. So yeah. Well, exactly. And we got <laughs> talking about it. And, and this guy flat out said he has some of the best technique in the league. And then we got talking about technique. Uh, Lowther was another guy he mentioned for having. Who was it? Sergio was some of the best technique? Yeah, Sergio okay, is, clear, yeah. like, if you yeah. watch Sergio kick, that's how you should be kicking, and that's why he's so good at it, right? Lowther is also the same. And then we, I asked about, well, how the hell is Mark Leggio so improved? And he told me, he said, I don't know how he's doing it. Leggio's <laughs> technique is not good. And he's just kind of hitting it hard. And he said, as soon as the weather so starts, so he's he's turn, John Daly. He's gripping it and ripping it, and hoping. That's that's exactly, <laughs> and, and it's working out for him. But this 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 CFL player said to me, the second it gets cold, he's going to be exposed. And that stuck with me because he actually wasn't bad against BC. Again, the punting distance wasn't quite there. But you were indoors. Oh, no, you're in Winnipeg. Never mind. Never mind. They were in Winnipeg. Yeah. But again, I think kind of got away with it because 
you know, the rest of the team was so good in that game. Yeah, well, other than Zach, but yeah. Right, right. Which, which we will get enough. into. Exactly, absolutely. <laughs> um, But it was funny because that first punt that he kicked that maybe goes 10 yards off the ground, 30 yards in the air, which as a punter, you need to get it high as much as you need to get it far so the cover team has chance to get down. Mm-hmm. And the second he punted that, I turned to my friends in my basement and I said, you know what? Player X is bang on. We're screwed tonight. And they went, what do you mean? And I told them about the story about this player talking about technique, which is why you saw Boris Beattie, no matter what the wind was, he was just hitting bombs. Yes, he had a couple misses, but you look at his kickoffs, you look at his punch, you look at everything else he did. His technique was solid and it paid off for him, right? So... Mm -hmm. This isn't just that Legio mixed the extra point. No. Um, this, this is the punting. It's a part of it, but... Right. I mean, it, it's going to be a part of it, but the punting was terrible. The kickoffs were terrible. It just... It, it How... You can't flip the field if you can't punt the ball in the air. Yeah. And it was disappointing to see it was coming, and it was like Winnipeg was fighting against that the entire game, and they just couldn't dig out of it. And that's my rational thought that doesn't involve me... And several of my Winnipeg buddies, all, I cannot tell you what we texted each other about Mark Leggio, but I, I, you always knew. They spent all this money, they sacrificed keeping Sergio to be able to, you know, bring back Willie Jefferson, Jackson Jeffcoat, Zach Calaris, you know, bring back all these guys, sign Greg Ellingson. And it was always their Achilles heel. Like, it's the perfect definition of an Achilles heel because that team was so strong except for Mark Leggio, and it bit them in the Grey Cup. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I can see Michael Shea's sort of theory about this. I mean, I don't know if anyone's directly asked him, but it, it seems like since Justin Medlock, he's been trying to repeat that guy that can do all three. And like, right. I, I compl- in, on paper and on theory, absolutely. Yes. You know, if you have a guy that can do it, then absolutely, it frees up another roster spot. You could argue, you know, maybe Drew Brown or Dakota Prukop isn't on the roster, which maybe that helps him in the end of that one. Um <clears throat> Isn't on the roster if they have, you know, two kickers or they're, you know, you have an extra special team or you have an extra somebody somewhere on the roster because you have one guy kicking all three. The problem is, yes. you know, you pretty much don't see it all at all in the NFL anymore. And there's a reason for that. Number one, obviously, the rosters yes. are bigger, so understandable. But you don't see it anywhere else in, in the world of football because it is hard to do all three really well. You can yes, find absolutely. you find a lot of guys that can do one of them well. You find, you know, there are, you know, some of them out there that are pretty good, usually at place kicking and kickoffs or punting and kickoffs, but not all three. And there's yes, a reason because absolutely. it is hard. I think especially place kicking versus punting are two very different things. And to be able to do them both at a high enough level to win your team a championship is damn hard to do. And Justin Medlock was essentially a freak daddy to use McLeod Bethel Tom- Thompson's <laughs> own words to describe certain it's, NFL players. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a shame he's going to be gone because Freak Daddy is, is that is an outstanding, yeah. just an outstanding way of saying it. Even, even when Winnipeg brought Sergio in, mm-hmm. Legio did the punting and he did okay at it. Again, they never had to play a cold or a cool Regina night um, at all. I mean, all the West Final Hamilton... was in Winnipeg. It was, but he, he, if I recall correctly, he was barely out there that, that game. They were either scoring True. or 
True, that was a weird ass game. I forgot there wasn't a lot of punting. <laughs> it was like there, there wasn't. So it wasn't really exposed like it was in this year's Grey Cup, right? Which, no. which again is why it takes a CFL player that does things like this to go, hey, yeah, he really sucks. Um, but I, I, I wish because it, it was painful because not only for my conversation with that unnamed player, but. Watching Winnipeg this year, you knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. You knew at some point that this season was going to come down to Mark Leggio, and he was just not good enough, and and that's what it comes. I mean, he wasn't the only one that wasn't no. good enough because here's here's a thing, and here's something I've been texting you about mm-hmm. since before the Grey Cup game. Yeah, Zach Calaris is not that good in the playoffs. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Not in the last two That's years, clear. at least, yeah. I didn't go back and look to see what he did before the COVID loss season. Because he seemed he was all right. He like he didn't do anything wrong in his first time with Winnipeg. But yeah, the last two playoffs but, have definitely been an adventure. But even 2019, outside of the West Final in Saskatchewan, he didn't do much in that Grey Cup. That was the Chris Strebler show. Hmm. Like that 2019 Grey Cup, Calaris didn't have a touchdown or a pick. Like Calaris has not had a game near 300 yards with multiple score with more touchdowns than interceptions. Since the 2019 West Final. Yeah. Because in the 2019 Grey Cup, he threw for, I think, like 240, no touchdowns, no picks, because Chris Streveler basically ran the show. Um, and, and like, last year, you mentioned last year's West Final being a chaotic game, turned the ball over five times. Last year's Grey Cup should not have won MOP. One touchdown, a couple picks. This year's West Final, same thing. He wasn't great. 150 yards passing. Mm-hmm. This year's Grey Cup game, same thing. He wasn't great. Like, for a guy that is that is the league's most outstanding player, which I think last time I recorded, I said he kind of wins by default. Yeah, like, I mean, it's. I think if Nathan Rourke plays even three more games, he's probably got it. <laughs> I think Nathan Rourke should, should have still had it. Probably, yeah. But, but it just... To me, that's like the elephant in the room that nobody talks about. Yep. And I'm glad you brought he's, it up. He's good. I think he's, you know, he's proven himself to be a very good quarterback in this league. But, yeah, it's not – It's he's not consistently at a level when you absolutely need him to be in moments no. where you need him to be for a guy that is supposed to be, as Mike O'Shea calls him, the best quarterback in the league. He's obviously not going to call him anything less. I no. think I think we can all agree – He's probably the second best quarterback in the league, and that's not to be taken anything away from him or anyone else with that designation, but that's true. But if for being the second best quarterback in the league, you would expect more in those moments. You'd expect him to look like, like to me, he's never had that like Darren Durant, Bo Levi Mitchell moment that he just takes over the game. No. You know, yeah. even Jake Mayer, Nathan Rourke a little bit when he started coming back, you know, in, in Winnipeg when his foot stopped hurting so bad. Like, it just, he, he hasn't had those moments. And now the, the, the funny thing is, again, by default, as we fully anticipate Nathan Rourke going to the NFL this offseason, um, he almost becomes the best quarterback in the league. And 
based on his great his playoff performances, I don't know if he deserves that. Like I I I, I almost I mean I like I, to, to I wouldn't rule out Chad Kelly at this point, but anyway. <clears throat> I think I I think if if McLeod Bethel Thompson somehow does come back, mm-hmm. I think Saskatchewan's got to sell the farm to get Chad Kelly. Yeah, there's there's a whole other discussion <laughs> around right. what may or may not happen with Chad Kelly. There are some of the belief that the Argos have plans for him, so that would be seems unlikely. And the fact that uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson was on a video call for the team's rally to me, <laughs> to me that kind of puts the writing on the wall, maybe as to what his decision is. So. Well, well, and you and I have both heard from like it seems like it's the worst kept secret. I know oh, they were openly listen- talking about it in the podium after the game that. Yeah, his wife makes huge money working for Marvel, so eh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like, Stand, like to go home and be dad. You know why not? Yeah, yeah. Go home, play dad. You've got your ring. You've had you've had your fun. Yeah. You know you're not going back to the NFL. He's he's what mid thirties now. Yeah, like he's he's not. You know, he's not old, but he's not young either. For like a guy who's you know, he's actually been in this league. So I didn't know he's actually been in this league for six years already or something like that. So, well, and that's it. And he bounced around the NFL yeah. before that too. Right. Like yeah. that, that, that to me strikes, okay, you've hit, you've hit the pinnacle. Like, I mean, yeah, like he, he's not going to rep. Like he led the league in passing this year. So say what you want about him. I'm not, you know, I wouldn't, you know, necessarily wrap my arms around this guy and say, he's my franchise quarterback. But for, if you're going to go out, why not do it on a year where you led the league in passing and won the great cup. Right. And, and, and you're healthy. Like the guy hasn't had to rehab major injuries, even and you, you know it's fired like, shots at the commissioner on the way out. So oh, which was awesome! <laughs> oh my god! See that to me was the ultimate sign that this guy is leaving. Like yeah. he is going full atomic fire Fraser on his way out the door. Mm-hmm. Which, as I learned, apparently you can don a radiation suit and go back through to where you come <laughs> through a third party. But anyway, yeah. Regardless, I have a meeting at a place I never thought I'd have a meeting at 11 a.m. tomorrow. That's for sure. I'm just wondering. I, I said to a couple of my friends still in the building, uh, "Does the certain does there is there still a certain sales manager there that wants to punch me in the face? Because that might get awkward." Anyways, yeah. So I mean, yeah, Zach Calero struggled in that game, and he struggled in a lot of playoff games. And there's a conversation to be had there about what this guy really is. And I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. But at a certain point, to be considered, you know, a top quarterback in a league, you have to do it. You have to do the thing when it matters. And he hasn't, I wouldn't, I would agree that he hasn't necessarily been the reason why they won even any of their playoff games. No, he's, and I hate to say it, he's like Matt Nichols, but better. Yeah, he's, he's just a little bit better. He's a smarter, better Matt Nichols right now. And a little bit more mobile. Right, like, yeah. like it's just, uh, and and, uh, I, I, and I mean, I, and and to fairness, you know, from the offensive side, I mean, I think even Buck Pierce would admit he probably didn't have his best game. I mean, some no. of the decisions they made by, like, you know, with the, the big one in the fourth quarter where, you know, Dakota Prukop comes in after a good run from Brady Oliveira, and then you bring in Dakota from first and ten, and you have him throwing. Like, I think they brought up Prukop like three or four times that game. And I don't think he, he didn't run once. He threw every time. So he it's ran, like, you didn't, you never, esta- you never, if you, and you talked about it, you thought maybe Prukop could have been used in that game as the, you know, the Strevler role, but they never established it as a Strevler role. They brought him in and had him throw every damn time. Which is, which was almost funny because it was <laughs> almost like they were sitting there and trying to like, because all Prukop has done all year is run. It's like, okay, we're going to bring him out here to pass, but you're wow. going to. 
throw the ball like because that's what they used to do with Strebler, but there's a reason that Chris Strebler is still collecting an NFL paycheck. Yeah. Like the guy could actually kind of throw sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like he he's he and say what you will about Dakota Prukop, maybe he can as well, but uh, I just the Strebler thing was a surprise because <clears throat> you said he said it's almost like when you see that running what because how many plays do you see, especially in the NFL and in college, where a running back who's having a day stops up and throws one? Yeah. To, that's what Prokop didn't do in that game. And that's what Buck Pierce didn't do in that game. That's why you catch it by surprise. If you wanted real surprise, do what they do in the NFL. Brady Oliveira was decent in that game. Let him chuck one. Because if everybody's running at you, somebody's very open. And yeah. I can tell you that as a Lloydminster flag football quarterback. <laughs> And, of course, on the topic of quarterbacks, um, a lot of talk about quarterbacks around these parts, as there always is. And most notably, yes. the focus on is, you know, who is going to be the next quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? And that picture just remains about as clear as mud. Um, I think the only thing all of us are fairly certain on is that it won't be Cody Fajardo. But um, the way things are going, the way things are looking, I'm not ready to entirely close that door, though I would say it's extremely unlikely. The team may have, you know... Thoughts of maybe bringing it back. I don't know if Cody will want to come back is the thing. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if that's all either of them have, I don't think Cody's ready to take a year off or retire. So, Or is he willing to be a backup? Yeah, I don't know. Because because I, I know I had spoken about, I, I and, and privately in, in my football group chat and stuff, I said the best thing Cody could do, and this was assuming that this is before that we heard that basically the entire NFL is working out Nathan Rourke. I said, oh, the best place he could go is go to BC, sit behind Rourke, let him be the guy, take over in a year. Well, now it looks like Nathan Rourke is almost certainly gone. So I don't think there's a team in the CFL that is starting Cody Bajardo right now. Um, except Saskatchewan, if they left, you know, if they're the loser of musical chairs. which And that's simply is, out of desperation. Yeah, which I mean, it's kind of starting to feel like it could happen. <laughs> which, which, but, but. The thing is, with how, and I never... I mean, I losing on being... musical chairs, I think they would sooner roll the dice on someone else if they don't get one of the guys expected to be out on the market. Well, and here's the other thing, too. I don't like calling out mental toughness. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I, I'm a guy with my own mental health issues. I'm sure that plays a part of this. But Cody's too soft. Like... You're. <clears throat> I mean, we've talked about a lot on the show, so we we have, and I just I just think that with his personality and his mental state, he probably feels like he's been wronged and can't come back. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be the case of more than anything. I think Cody will take a job someplace else, even if it might be the XFL rather than coming yeah. back to Saskatchewan because his reputation no, has shown I agree, yeah. that he, he can't come back, right? So that, that leaves Saskatchewan as, as as the bag holder, right? And of course I can tell you who I I don't I can tell you who I don't think it will be. I don't think I, I know there's a lot of talk out there from mm. certain media personalities that it's gonna be Mason Nias of the Saskatchewan Huskies. I mean I think a lot of people want him added to the roster. I don't think they expect him to start right away. But we can get into what we were, that's where I was trying to head now is the Vanier Cup, of course, came and went. Yeah. Saskatchewan Huskies lost to Laval Rougeor in uh, in London, and yes. of course, yeah, 
a lot of attention right now, naturally, on one of the guys who's one of the best quarterbacks in esports this year that happens to be playing in our own backyard, right? Right, and and I don't think he's good enough. Uh, I, I, you were talking about this with you, you know you basically spent a Saturday you and Dan Plaster hanging out watching football the whole day, mm-hmm. and Mason Nias is a excellent new sports quarterback, but he's very immobile. Um, he did not play a great game in either Vanier Cup. He was similar to Zach Kolaris in the Western Final that I think. I think he could have been picked off about seven times. And I, I mean, the guy's going to have an off day. The guy is basically yep. arguably the best Huskies quarterback ever. And he had a couple off days. But here's the other thing with everybody talking about bringing to Mason Nias. Mason Nias is also uh, a teacher. Not just like an educator, but like he's going for his master's in education. Like this guy is walking into a stable, good paying job at whatever school district he decides to work at, whether that be back in his home region of Moose Jaw, Regina, or Saskatoon. And there's one thing I've learned is that if you want to be a teacher in Saskatchewan, be a former Husky football player. There's big connections there. Almost everybody he's talked to was a former Husky, former Hilltop. That seems to be where they go. So we're not talking about some guy that had general studies for six years and, you know, okay, yeah, I'll take some practice roster money to chase the dream. To sign Mason Nias, you're going to have to pay him more than a first-year teacher makes. And in the cities, I can tell you from what I know from having teacher buddies, that's a lot more than the minimum salary for the CFL this year, especially if you're a practice roster guy. For him to make what he would make as a teacher you'd need to dress him every single game. So I think that comes with a complication of it. I don't think the guy can run well enough to be a pro. I don't think the guy can... I mean, there was <clears throat> there was a, you know, there was a play in that game where they did ultimately score a touchdown where he could have crawled into the end zone and opted to kind of keep running sideways <laughs> instead of moving forward and taking the easy touchdown. So, I mean, that, that kind of says it all. When, even, when I think when even Tom Brady would have seen that much open space and been like, okay, I'm going to run... <laughs> maybe that says that he's not that comfortable running. <laughs> right. And, 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 and again, this is one of those criticisms I hate to make because I like Mason. Mm. I remember how thrilled the Huskies were. Like it was, it was so long ago. The Huskies recruited him that I was still covering the team and they were just jacked about this kid. And apparently rightly so, but right. Oh, totally. Like, like the talent evaluation the Huskies had, they, they knew what they were getting, but it would be a cool story. I, I think he could do it. I think he's smart enough. I think he's, you know, coachable enough. I think he's all those things that if you were to bring him in, make him a project for a couple years, you could turn him into something with the right coaching, the right coordinator. I just don't think he's the answer. And I see a lot of Ryder fans out there saying, oh, he's the answer. We need to sign him. Well, I, I, I don't know. If Mason wants to make practice roster money instead of being a teacher, then sure. If not, the guy is going to be an absolute weapon in the uh, Saskatoon Adult Flag Football League. <laughs> yeah, and you, you bring up the interesting point where you talk about, well, if you can coach him with the right coach and coordinator, you know, maybe he can turn into something, which I think is true of a lot of youth sports quarterbacks, and that's sort of maybe why they're more interesting than some NCAA guys who come up, because you know what they are at that point. They've had their, yep. most of them have had their training. They've been t- trained at, you know, the highest level of amateur sport 
of this sport in the world, frankly. No offense to any other amateur sport organization of football, but the NCAA, especially if you're in FBS Division One, yeah, you you're not getting any better than that. So you kind of generally know what the ceiling is. If in some guys in youth sports, maybe there is a little bit more room to grow because for those reasons, right? Well, you look at, you look at a Bradsonopoli. Yeah, and you look at a guy that was a great youth sports quarterback that came mm-hmm. into the CFL and was told, "Son, you're a receiver now." And he went, "All right." And became a very, very good Canadian receiver for a good chunk of time. Mm-hmm. So, and not saying it's not impossible. I'm not trying to put down new sports quarterbacks, but there, there are more projects than you would get out of the NCAA. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But then that, that brings up the other side of this equation: is beyond this year, we don't really know who would be coaching him in both of those spots. No, and that's a big conversation in Saskatchewan right now too. Is well, okay, Jason Moss and you know most of the offensive staff is gone. Where do we go from here, and who are they hiring? Well. Some names are starting to come out. Uh, we've seen the reports from Fire and Lalji and Dave Naylor and a bunch of, you know, very credible sources on so, sort of who they're looking at. Yes. I would say, I mean, there's names on this list that I don't really think are plausible. So I like I, Mark Mueller's name is on the list. Love the guy. Love the kid. I think this could be a scenario that could work down the road. I think this would be a horrible time for him to jump to the Riders and be their offensive coordinator. Quite frankly, he should stay in Calgary for another year. Yes. Um, because, and this is sort of why I think they're going to end up heading down the road that a lot of people seem to think they're going to head up heading down, and they're probably going to hire, we would think, um, the running backs coach, Kelly Jeffrey. Because oh there's... It's just a difficult scenario to bring in someone from the outside into not knowing if the guy that's hiring you is even going to make it through the season. Yes. So if Craig, if this thing goes sideways early next year, there's no doubt that Craig Dickinson will not survive the year. Yes. So if you are, there's there's no doubt that Craig Dickinson might not survive after four games. Yeah. So if you are, you know, if you're Mark Mueller, I don't want to step into that. If you're some of the other names on that list, you don't want to step into that. I think there's only two names on that list really that maybe step into that. Number one is of course Kelly Jeffrey because it's a good promotion for him, etc., etc. Here he knows he's already here anyway, so you might as well do it if you can. And number two may be Kahari Jones because he thinks he may be the next head coach if Craig Dickinson gets canned. So those are basically, I think, it's kind of what it gets down to. Um, reportedly, Kahari is, in ta- is also kind of in the, you know, sort of in the mix in Ottawa as well. So that obviously complicates things a little bit because he naturally should go for the head coaching job ahead of a coordinator job if oh, it's certainly. available to him. Um, but it's <sighs> there's two school of thoughts I have on this. Okay. Uh, so because number one, there's certainly that side, you know, the pragmatic side of this. Of it will be, it would be hard to get, you know, a legitimate, proven, good offensive coordinator into this team right now, just because Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson are not signed beyond this year. Yes. So you, I understand that. I understand salary cap complications. The whole reason, you know, there's all of these very smart reasons as to why. And Kelly Jeffrey may actually be a very good offensive coordinator. This is not to take anything away from him. Some people that know him speak very highly of him. It sounds yes. like he may be a good OC in this league. He could be, you know, the Jason Shivers of offense. We don't know. Right. That very well could happen. This is net as absolutely no disrespect to the guy whatsoever. But if he does get the job, and it's all signs right now, when this can always change, signs are pointing that way. That is a hard sell oh. to a fan base that is already kind of starting to give up on you. Because because yeah. he's, he's not a name candidate. He's not from the outside. He doesn't have any sort of portfolio that you can build off of. It's just very... Okay. You know? So, I like, I understand, 
you know, all the football reasons why and all the team reasons why and all the sort of political reasons why this may be the guy you have to end up hiring. But I can also understand the other side of it where it's like, oof, that's, it's not the easiest sell right now. If you're bringing him in and you're bringing back Cody Fajardo, is that not the ultimate disaster for Craig Reynolds? Like, how the hell do you, how the hell do you sell this team? You just had a terrible season. You just had a terrible offensive line. You just, nothing about this year was great. And then you're bringing, you're, you're promoting from within and possibly bringing back Cody Fajardo. The the only argument I've heard was, you know, sort of beyond the other things we've stated was, well, what was the best unit offensively on that team? And it was the running backs. So this guy could be good, you know. And I'm not saying he can't. No, yeah. But from a business perspective and a fan perspective, like neither you or I are fans of this team, but like putting myself in their shoes, I'd be so pissed off. Like I'd be so upset if this team comes out with, with an offensive coach you had here last year and Cody Fajardo. Like that to me is the ultimate, like that to me is the ultimate nightmare scenario. If you're a fan of this club, (laughs) because what, what do you do? And, 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 and you're right. The way everybody speaks about him, it's got great potential. But I think that this team needs to go out and find somebody who's a head coach in waiting because I don't think Craig Dickinson makes it to Labor Day next year. It's very possible. I, I just, I, I don't like it. Just everything that's been said, everything, you know, the way he lost control, the way he couldn't rally this team, the way the discipline issues, the Garrett Marino, the way that they, the 18 wheeler went directly off the cliff while being simultaneously lit, lit on fire and exploding halfway down in the air. And you bring it back. I mean, I mean, obviously the Cody part of that is a long shot, I would say, but yeah, I mean, the optics aren't great, but the, I, I will, I had this thought as well about it and you know, I, I don't think it's entirely fair to kind of crap on the guy or the situation or mm-hmm. even, you know, the hiring in general. I understand the optics of it, but at the same time, you can't really have your cake and eat it too, because at the same time we in media and fans and you know all kinds of people around and and it's not true of the cfl true like basically every sport except maybe the nba who tends to go out of the box more it feels like Mm -hmm. you can't complain that all the coaches are always just recycled everywhere across this league and then when they don't recycle someone and bring in someone different then you (laughs) complain that he has no experience and is a weird hire so i mean there is a bit of that too where i'm like okay they could bring in some other recycled guy, but maybe that's just as bad. Who knows, right? But, no, you're right. But I I feel like I would like the internal hire more if Craig wasn't still the guy. Because to me, when you get rid of Craig after six to eight games next year, what the hell do you do then? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be out there? Like, that's what, that's why I'm high on Kahari. I'm high on Kahari because, again... No, I, I, think... I agree. Like, I... That's why I... You're, you're, the next offensive coordinator of this team is either A, going to be Jeffrey, or B... A guy like Kahari, who is your, you know, break glass in case of emergency. <laughs> right. Which is why I love, I would love, love, and I don't know if it could happen, but if you could bring Bob Dice out of Hamilton again, or uh-huh. Ottawa, pardon me, like, I still think Bob Dice deserves, like, an actual legit shot as a head coach in this league. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. I, I don't, I don't know where his fit is with this, because I think, 
they have a guy coaching the special teams, but I'm sure Craig is still heavily involved in that. So, right. I mean, but it's I mean, not... I mean, even when he was an OC, remember a few years back when he filled in his OC? Yo, the offense wasn't that great that year. No, he was, he, was, he, he was, was the like, coordinator in 12, and he was great with us, and he answered every single question about was not a great offense that year. But, yeah. No, but, but I, I also, agree. That he, also was Tino sincerity. Like, not in 2012. Who was in 2012? Darian Grant. Oh, ha. Oh. <laughs> that was before all the injuries. Right. That was Corey Chamblin's first year. He, I think he was, like, yes. the only holdover on that staff. Yes. No, you are bang on with that. So I, I take all of that back. Mm-hmm. Because I'm getting my years mixed up. I just yeah, because he was he was the offensive coordinator in 2012, and then he moved to special teams coordinator in 13 right. to bring in George Cortez, which of course worked out for that one year, and then quickly went sideways. And then <laughs> when everyone was fired, he was named the interim head coach when he was special teams coordinator. Right. Yes. Now you have brought me back to my timeline. Mm-hmm. I'm just still blinded by rage for my Winnipeg Blue Bombers last week. 